Hey there, it's Hedvig from Abundate. Do you ever feel like you're constantly battling against your multilingual brain at work? Maybe you struggle to find the right words in English, worry about your accent or your grammar, or you find yourself constantly overthinking your language use to avoid making a mistake. You're not alone. Did you know that this lack of confidence in your language skills can actually lower your working memory capacity? That means you might not be performing at your best if you're distracted by any language worries or uncertainty. But here's the thing, it's not your fault. We have been taught to approach language learning in a way that goes against the natural functioning of our multilingual brains. The good news is that there's a way to actually work with your brain instead of against it a way to develop effective communication strategies that go beyond just grammar and vocabulary, a way to gradually build your confidence and skills without dedicating hours every day, and most importantly, a way to bring your unique voice and personality to the conversation instead of kind of sounding like somebody else. Introducing the School of Certainty. Abundate's group coaching program designed specifically for professionals like you who use English as a foreign language at work. I understand your frustration because I've been there myself. And now I help professionals like you to confidently build and nurture relationships in English, bring out the best and most competent version of yourself and excel in your career. Don't let your language worries hold you back any longer. Join the School of Certainty and start your journey towards confident and effective communication. Visit abundate.org soc to get started. That's a-b-u-n-d-a-t-e dot o-r-g slash s-o-c. Learning a language is not what you think, but so much more. This is the Abundate podcast and I'm your host, Hedvig Sandhu. If you've ever considered moving abroad, or if perhaps you've already lived in more than one country, then this episode is for you. My guest is serial migrant and self-proclaimed cultural chameleon, Denai Kruko, an international business development consultant, Chinese market investment specialist, language learner, and passionate polymath. Denai was born on the Greek island of Corfu, and left her hometown at age 17 to spend the next 15 years living in different countries across Europe and Asia. She studied and worked in France, the United Kingdom, Spain, Austria, Greece, Hong Kong, and China. And she's majored in linguistics, business management, international politics, and public relations. And she started her first business in Tobabel.org in Shanghai at the age of 25. And during our conversation, I learned about Danai's upbringing and sort of we discussed a little bit about what compelled her to a multilingual childhood from a young age. We talked about serial migration and what that's given her, as well as some of the drawbacks and also how many of these drawbacks could actually be reduced with one pretty revolutionary solution. Let's dive in. So before we go into our conversation about 
being a uh, serial migrant and sort of learning how to be a chameleon and uh, I think really interesting topics around identity and, and things like that. Can you share the story of your journey into languages? Uh, sure. So Greek is my mother tongue and French is my second language. And, you know, I also speak English, Spanish and Mandarin, Chinese. And right now I'm about to learn Italian and Russian. Um, and I understand a bunch of other languages as well. So um, I come from an island, so both my parents are Greek. And I grew up in a pretty uh, homogenous community. So uh, my first encounter with what I call otherness took place around the age of five. So when I was placed in uh, a nursery school of the local French Institute in Corfu, which doesn't exist anymore. So it was, uh, I wasn't the easiest child to, to handle. And my parents, after having tried three local nursery schools, they decided to place me to the French kindergarten, which was walking distance from my dad's office. And this was a very defining moment when it comes to um, language learning, because most students there were half French, half Greek, and I just landed in this place and I didn't speak a word of French at the time. Um, and the paradox is that although I had a hard time adapting to local nursery schools, I ended up adapting very well to a very uh, unfamiliar environment, which was the French, the, the nursery school of the French Institute. And that was the very first encounter that I had with um, a new foreign language. Do you know what it was about you or your personality that made you more easily adapt in this, uh, this French uh, kindergarten? Uh, well, it's a really good question. And uh, I've asked this question myself a few times without uh, being able to find um, a very specific answer. However, I noticed that this whole experience basically told me that fragmentation is wealth. And the more fragmented one person is in terms of like culturally, linguistically, um, the better. And um, so that was the very, the very first lesson that this taught me, um, that the more fragmented one is uh, ethnically, linguistically, culturally, um, this very fragmentation can be a source of wealth, um, not something negative as most people um, think most of the time. So, um, and later in life, I decided to apply this principle of fragmentation to pretty much anything. Um, um, so uh, I, I also believe that polyglots are also polymaps. So uh, I went to study abroad and um, I also wanted to study different academic subjects to kind of um, um, imitate this um, philosophy of fragmentation. Um, so the same way I enjoyed learning multiple languages, I wanted to study different academic subjects and go to different um, uh, countries and uh, discover different cultures. 
I can definitely see that that link between um I suppose having an interest in different languages and cultures versus having an interest in different mm -hmm. yeah different disciplines different topics different um potential career paths different um things you can study in, in at university and in school um and and I I mean I love what you said about fragmentation being something that can uh have a great benefit actually mm -hmm. even though i think the word fragmentation we often think about as oh it's in pieces it they don't fit together mm -hmm. and you know if you think about kind of fragments of um something it, it there's a um, association with kind of being incomplete yeah or broken it, yes actually <laughs> good point and i'm reminded of this book um called range by mm -hmm. oh I, I i'll remember the name when i when i least need it but um it's essentially about the the value of generalists i think the tagline is something like the the mm -hmm. benefit the value of generalists in a world full of specialists mm -hmm. what is the value of having all of these different interests um and yeah i mean whether it's different interests in different languages or in different career paths altogether so i mean obviously you've, you've learned a lot of different languages um you've learned uh well i guess french you kind of you learned from a very young age true you learned greek when you were just a baby yeah and um and that was what was the next well, language after that well english i would say but uh i was much older so i was a teenager when i started learning english and i really um learned the language when i went to the uk to do my master's so um i i believe that full immersion can be very helpful when you want to um to uh, learn a language faster uh, in a more efficient way, I believe it, it really helps to to move to the to the to the country of your targeted language, and go all the way. Of course, I mean this isn't possible for everyone uh, to do that, um, but it was um, at the time, and I think it still is my philosophy of um, learning anything. Just go all the way go and experience this thing, be it a language or a skill, um, and experience this thing all the way, not just perhaps uh, dedicate two or three hours uh, of weekly study. Uh, but this is just me. doesn't mean that you can't learn <laughs> languages uh, by just staying in your home country and through self-study, you know. This is just my method. Yeah, but I think, and also, you know, I, I guess there are different ways of going all the way. Hmm. Um, people will do it in, in their way. Um, but, uh, but I definitely think, you know, especially things like um, learning by doing, hmm. right? You can't just learn the, the theory or the, uh, well, here's how other people use the language. You kind of have to, I don't want to say become the language, but you kind of have to... Um, uh, really, yeah, immerse yourself. You have to relate the language to your own experience, your own life. Mm -hmm. 
so but uh, you know i guess moving to a country is only maybe one way of of doing that oh yeah absolutely and i mean there are many ways you can still stay um um, in your in your country and do this like it, it's all about the feeling and the surroundings so perhaps you want to learn say spanish and you can dedicate uh, a whole weekend in your like um, in spanish and perhaps read a few spanish novels um watch a few movies even make tapas and watch spanish uh, movie and i mean or also meet um, Spanish-speaking people that live in your own area, um, and you you have the same effect, basically you have the same feeling. So it's true that you don't have to um, uh, travel to the other side of the world to, especially if you if you target a language like uh, Chinese or some language that requires uh, requires you to travel. Um, many hours yeah and you know that maybe there's um and people listening also might feel what i'm feeling uh sometimes when i talk to you which is this oh my god denai has been to all of these places and she must have had such a interesting life and how many countries have you have you lived in so i have lived in seven countries for for a long period time for a few years but i have also traveled to um to more than seven for sure for let's say a few months but uh yeah yeah and and i feel like you know obviously seven countries is is more than most people it's less than some some other people i know there are mm -hmm. other, others who you know kind of make a point of you know moving every year and they really make it that into into more of um continuous lifestyle mm -hmm. but i'm wondering what what do you think that has given you and what has it taken away so maybe those are two questions uh -huh. um well uh, i think that um traveling and learning languages and getting familiar with other cultures which is part of a co the core part of traveling um this can be a great navigation tool for life, not just geographically speaking. I mean, languages and um, uh, being familiar with other cultures can be great navigation tools. And this can be applied to pretty much everything. Let's say um, you speak three languages. You don't have to be even a polyglot. You can just speak two, three foreign languages. And then immediately you get input, you get information from different sources. And you see, like, new worlds of possibilities and options. And it's so important in life to have options. So how can you navigate yeah. life? How can you navigate the world? Um, especially with um, so much competition around us. Um, if you just focus on one, um, one single job market or one single um, area, I mean, professionally, this is impossible. You, it's very limiting to be uh, to not be uh, familiar with uh, other languages and cultures. You limit um, tremendously uh, options, possibilities, uh, and I think it's a pity. So um, this is exactly what um, 
living in multiple countries has given me like new options. Um, many of the projects that um, I'm involved with now professionally, they have them because um, they represent opportunities that I had in the past and people I met in the past in all these uh, different locations. And um, this can be very rewarding, um, both mm. um, work-wise and socially. I mean, it's very important uh, to be adaptable as well. So seeing the world from different angles. Um, and psychologically, I would say the... The benefit is about becoming um, multiple people uh, based on who you interact with and where you find yourself each time. Because um, um, after having lived in seven countries, you have gathered enough knowledge, experiences. You have met people from all possible walks of life. And, you know, you. You have taken a piece of uh, of each experience, and this is what makes you the person you are. And at the end of the day, you might yeah. uh, end up uh, confused. <laughs> uh, this can happen. I think this is there's a cycle, there's a process. At the beginning, um, you receive a lot of input from from a new culture. And linguistically as well, you get to know the language, you get to know the people, how they work, how they interact. And the very first stage uh, of every transition, when you go to a new place to settle there, um, this can be, I guess, the most rewarding and the most challenging part. Uh, because the, like, the second stage is about filtering. So you, f you get to know things, you, you learn things, but it doesn't mean you will retain all this and it doesn't mean that um, you like everything you encounter. And so the filtering stage is also uh, very important for, for your uh, overall, uh, let's say, um, self-development and well-being because you can't absorb all this information coming from different parts, you know, especially as... Uh, years go by, this uh, tends to, to, to accumulate and um, psychologically can be very, uh, can be a burden. Uh, you have to know how to filter um, um, information and experience coming from different cultures uh, so that you can integrate it later in your life and make it part of who you are as a person and uh, uh, add this to um, to your life as new skills and beliefs and you know your life philosophy basically I want to ask you about about these stages mm -hmm. um, but before I do that mm -hmm. um, I guess you know maybe a comment on this idea of filtering mm -hmm. and the idea that, um, I mean, we're all living in a world of information overload and getting too much input. And mm. when you add in arriving in a new country and, you know, that's a whole nother level of information overload. Um, and mm. not just, I would say, not just information, but also kind of uh, like emotional identity, mm. belonging, these kind of very deep seated um mm 
things and needs that we have in terms of our social needs. Um, but another thing, and I would imagine that, you know, this idea of uh, going through that challenge of learning how to filter and, and kind of what um, kind of information is going to be important to you, what's going to be useful to you is a, an extremely useful skill to have later might be very difficult in the in the moment yeah exactly and i think this um somehow i, I guess in my mind at least um, this links uh this connects to fragmentation because um you have to to choose your fragments very carefully and this can only happen um through good filtering so unless you 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 know how to filter things, your experience, your emotions. Um, it can be very confusing at the beginning because you receive lots of uh, input from from the environment and the new people that you meet. Um, and it can be um, almost paralyzing, especially when you go from, um, let's say, when I, when I moved from Europe to China, that was... Uh, um, the first time where it was real, a real challenge because everything is done so differently. Um, and I mean, it's not just the way things are done at work because people have to go to work at 9 a.m. and, you know, and they go home um, around six or seven. So this isn't just that, it's the way things are done. Um, and I mean, it's it's a whole um, it's a whole it's a whole new world. Uh, the the way business is done there, um, what is ethical, what is not. These are things that you realize are very relative, um, and you kind of at the beginning feel shocked, um, but then you kind of you try to to get into someone else's shoes basically, and uh, someone else's suit as well, and be someone else and then you try and you try to understand at the end of the day you take something out of this experience um, and in terms of emotions as you said um, I think I, Einstein uh, famously said that um, the mind the brain um, once exposed to a new idea never gets back to its original shape uh, size, I think size, that was the, the term. So I think the same with uh, when you move to a new country or learn a new language or, you know, get exposed to a new culture, you can't be the same person before and after this takes place. Um, so I see this as a source of wealth. Then I also believe that one has to be careful not to, um, not to overdo it, because I think that... Um, after like 15 years of, you know, moving around and getting exposed to, uh, like actively being exposed to, to new things and new cultures, I believe that uh, you have to know when not, not to put an end, but how to handle this process um, in a way that serves your life circumstances. Um, and the, priori the priorities you might have uh, at a certain stage of your life, because um, 
some people might think, hey, well, that sounds great, but uh, this is what I would do when um, I was very young. Is it something that is sustainable uh, for a 40 or 50 year old person? That's a very tough uh, answer to a uh, question to answer. Uh, but I believe this is possible. I believe that being a serial migrant and uh, being a citizen of the world is uh, is um, a life choice. It's uh, a lifestyle, I would say. So um, yeah, it's for everyone basically. It's not just for a teenager who wants to uh, travel uh, for their gap year and that's it. Uh, I believe it goes far beyond this. That's so true. And I mean, I, I went to, I mean, I was sort of lucky enough to, to go to school with a lot of people who, uh, as children and as teenagers were only because of, usually because of their parents, um, work mm -hmm. would travel and would, would move between countries every two to three years, really. And I saw, I think the, the value that and the appreciation that they had for having that richness of experiences and um, kind of learning sort of uh, getting tastes or actually going quite in depth into different cultures that they that they were exposed to through um, not just traveling, but through literally moving every few years. It's a huge value. Mm -hmm yeah <laughs> yeah and and you know i think that it is a common conception and and one honestly that i'm that i'm battling with a bit a little bit personally as well in that um i think that even though i knew people who or, or know people who have done who have who have or have had this kind of um maybe slightly nomadic or, you know, slightly kind of serial migrant lifestyle, it's, there is a, probably, I think there's a big leap in um, trying to see, seeing that it's possible for other people and understanding whether it's possible for yourself. So mm -hmm. could I do it? Could I, for example, uh, let's say, could I have uh, children and, uh, live a, a serial migrant type of lifestyle um, and yeah I mean I guess it's individual and maybe who are you and I to <laughs> to to talk about uh, to talk about that when neither of us has children but um, exactly <laughs> but yeah I mean I do think <laughs> um, I'm kind of going off topic but I mean I think you know there's there's this um there's there's a few maybe leaps of um identity mindset shifts that would need to happen um i would say i would just like to to comment on what you just said um about the children that you met and they were part of different cultures uh thanks to their parents professional uh mobility choices so um when i was at this uh french nursery school i was one of the very few greek students there um and most of 
the other students were half Greek, half French, or uh, half French speaking. The mothers were either from Belgium, France, or uh, from French speaking Canada, uh, from Switzerland. And I remember how jealous I was of them, but not in a negative way. I was just thinking these people, um, they were born into two cultures. Um, and I thought, wow, that was that they are the the material reflection of their parents' choices to be mobile and go places and meet each other and you know have a family. Um, and I realized that uh, mobility, it's very important for such interesting encounters to happen. And I'm not only talking about romantic relationships or people getting married and having families. It's just that mobility is essential um, to um, test your limits, to get out of your comfort zone um, through language learning, through meeting new people. Um, and this is something that I believe um, we're missing right now because of this uh, pandemic um, travel uh, restrictions is that you still need to go places to um, to fully experience things. Uh, I absolutely value um, what the internet has to offer and online learning and everything. Uh, but for me, um, on top of this, I think it is important to, to be mobile and experience things to, to the fullest through travel and getting to know cultures um, and going all the way when it comes to learning anything, be it a skill or a language. Yes, absolutely. I, I just realized actually that um, I've forgotten to ask you about these kind of stages that you go through when you... Mm -hmm. um, was that when you arrive in a new country, there are these stages you go through. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so, well, oh, uh, this is something that I just uh, came up with, like, when I, uh, when I uh, described this to you a few minutes ago. So, but this is exactly what happens, like, at the, like the, the initial stages, the stage of um, when, when you receive lots of... Uh, lots of input and information uh, from the environment and people that you meet and the new culture. Um, and then this is the challenging part because it's a very confusing one. And as I um, mentioned earlier, it's also the, the most rewarding because the, the strongest experiences tend to stay in your memory for many years. And um, it's when you receive a shock, basically, that uh, this is what stays in your memory. And this, at this stage, I think um, you gain lots of interesting memories. Um, and then the second stage is uh, what I do. Uh, yeah, was the, let's say the, the filtering stage where, let's say, this takes place after a few months or even after a year. Um, so once you have received a lot of input, then now it's the time to process it. And processing the whole thing means you have to eliminate something. You can't just keep everything um, because uh, novelty, new things can also cause confusion. <laughs> so you have to, in order to keep 
the things that are useful for you, you have to eliminate a few other things that um, you recognize as interesting but might be not useful for you at this stage. So, um, and then the third stage, I would say, is the stage of uh, integration where uh, a few years have passed and you're familiar enough with this culture and you kind of know what you want to keep and you're fine with the things that um, you have eliminated, so you have no regrets, and then you're ready to move on to the next stage, which is again this excitement and passion about a new place, a new culture. And this follows the same process, but each time you repeat this process, it's not just you're not starting, let's say, from from scratch, it's not, you're not starting from zero because all the, the experiences that have preceded this one have already added to your identity and who you are. So um, this can be quite addictive, uh, I should say. <laughs> uh, I mean, learning languages and um, uh, pursuing adventure, <laughs> life adventure in this way can be very addictive. And this is where the real trap lies, because you have to know um, uh, how to handle this. Um, yeah, and and you mentioned, you know, uh, before you mentioned something around, you know, knowing when it will no longer serve your life mm -hmm. uh, and your career, um, knowing kind of when mm -hmm. to stop or when it's um maybe costing you something what is it costing you mm -hmm. well it's a really interesting question because i think uh, i've just mentioned the, the positive things <laughs> so yeah so about these stages did you did you just kind of invent them just now off the cuff yeah absolutely because I didn't even make notes <laughs> as we, because I just had this uh, very small, like uh, mind map with the questions that you asked me, but it's totally something that comes from experience and that, yeah, it's just that one of the things that I was afraid <laughs> to, to add, because it's like, have ideas coming um, out of your head as the conversation goes. So, yeah, it's hundred percent it's a thought of the moment but uh yeah it's a very accurate one because it's something that happened many times yeah i can i, I think i can relate um also a little bit in terms of um well i've never as an adult moved country but actually when i um when i uh, had been living in the uk for something like eight years, mm -hmm. um, but I'd only been uh, living in this quite strange and sheltered environment of first having gone to the Norwegian school in London, which is the smallest little bubble uh, uh, with about 100 students between the age of four and uh, 15. Mm -hmm. And uh, then switching to uh, international school where like I said, you know, there were people from all over and 
nobody was really from the UK. There was a very small minority of people who were British in some way. So my idea of culture shock and where I could relate to this, you know, uh, the first stage of culture shock and then the second of kind of processing and sort of filtering um, and the third stage of integration was when I went to university because that was the first time I had that um, immersion really in British culture. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I think I, I think you're absolutely right, and I'm sure I'm sure other people will um, will relate to that as well. If oh, I'm I'm very happy to hear this. <laughs> Um, but it's just impressive that you just, you know, it was sort of just off the top of your head. But I know you, you think quite deeply. See, I get the impression you think quite, you know, quite deeply about a lot of a lot of different things. So, and of course, you have you have studied. I remember at one point you were writing uh, about the idea of um, having some kind of international citizenship or global citizenship. Yeah, that's true. Um... So this is, um, let's say, um, a topic that I'm very uh, invested in because um, I believe that the, the number of people who have um, followed a similar life path um, is increasing. You know, uh, when I was living, especially in, in, in huge cities like Shanghai, uh, when I was in Paris, when I was in London as well, um, and other places, I encountered many people um, who have just single passport or sometimes a double passport, but then their passport does not reflect who they are. Um, and many of them have, like, they were born in one place, lived in another, studied in another, and now they're working in another place. And I mean, there's no uh, system, political political system to take advantage of all these people with all these um, diversified experiences um, and professional backgrounds, etc. So, um, and what I find is, um, uh, is sad is that um, instead of um, seeing this fragmentation as a source of wealth, when you go to a new place and want to be part of a local system, your global identity is of no use. Because the local system, all it wants is that you fit in. They just want you to fit in. And I'm also talking about uh, pensions and retirement, although I'm, I'm too young to think about it. But I have met people who had this sort of concerns. And I was thinking instead of um, the political system encouraging people uh, who can move around and then come back and um, return more like wiser, more knowledgeable um, and with more professional expertise instead of actually rewarding this. Um, uh, they basically punish people for being more bold, for being uh, curious, for wanting to, uh, um, uh, you know, go to other countries um, and it's it's really sad if if you look at this from that perspective. Um, and as the numbers of these people increase, um, 
each year, I think something has to be done in terms of organizing, um, you know, globally acquired knowledge. Um, and again, as I said, um, local systems tend to, to punish people um, who have global identities. And it's, it's, it's really sad because it's so hard to go uh, through this whole process of as I mentioned earlier, you know, you go to some place, you get your shock, then you go to the from like to the filtering stage, and it's it, it's a very painful process, but yet very rewarding. But um, it's not even recognized um, by many. I mean, this is the sad part. No, yeah, that is it's made very difficult to to be a global citizen you really have to be 120 percent committed and and in in it exactly um so the gain that you have is 70 percent i would say um it remains on the psychological identity level and it's for you and there is so much wealth in you but this won't be used um in any local uh place you will want to to be part of even for a few years uh so it's something you should or you can still try to give this to offer this knowledge to offer this things that you have you have accumulated through years of global experience but you should not expect that people are willing to take what you have to offer and you should not expect that what you have to offer will be appreciated at the end of the day and this is the um, this is the most the, like the saddest part of of this i think <laughs> yeah and and i mean we we've touched on this now a little bit but mm -hmm. you know i guess what what the um i guess some of the drawbacks to uh serial migration mm -hmm. um you know you i think you've already touched upon well, first, it, there's this, you know, what are your legal rights and voting rights mm -hmm. uh, if you are exactly. intended mm -hmm. to just be in a country for three years or four years mm -hmm. or, or maybe less. Um, another one I think you mentioned was that, um, yes, that it can, this lifestyle can be addictive and you kind of have to know when to, when to stop and when it's a useful versus is it just an addiction exactly yeah. well stop i guess it's it's a very rigid term but i would say when you slow down <laughs> okay yeah fair you, enough you can't, you can't really stop that um i think it's just not possible especially if you um have dedicated large part of your life doing this and, and having chosen this as a lifestyle uh it's like um um, negating who you really are and perhaps some people might decide they don't want to do this anymore which is uh, understandable uh, but I believe that some people are are wired to to live this way what do you think I mean you you mentioned that you know when you were in kindergarten and mm -hmm. you're not sure what it was that kind of attracted you to um this uh french speaking slightly more international kindergarten but well i really don't know 
I really don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. What I think I like, it could, it could have been perhaps another culture and another language. And the result might have been the same because I think I was craving uh, otherness. I was craving, um, you know, to discover something different. It's about getting out of your, it's really, it's the process of uh, getting out of your comfort zone and becoming someone else. It, I, I mean, okay, and now I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate and say, mm -hmm. do you have to be slightly unhappy <laughs> in mm -hmm. order to want to, to migrate? Mm, it's a very interesting question. Uh, and it's the one that uh, many people who are like me, we kind of avoid to, to discuss. Uh, especially mm. when we try to same here. <laughs> especially when we try to. But I'm, I'm challenging myself, and I'm yeah. challenging you. No, it's it's. Um, I think it's a very important and um, necessary question when um, it comes to serial migration and being um, a global citizen and all this. So um, I think that. Uh, belonging to different cultures and having this very diverse identity um, takes away the sense of belonging somewhere. And um, you gain in fragmentation, but then you lose in unity. So it's unity um, that is taken away. Um, so if you meet people from, let's say, an island, like the island where I come from, um, you have discussion with them and you feel how um, secure and certain they are about things they're talking about, about their worldviews, about their lives, you know, they're very certain. So certainty is something that many people who have not been exposed to other cultures and ways of life, they can enjoy that. And I guess the more you have, you have been exposed to otherness and contradiction because when you go to one place people tell you oh life is this then you go to asia or some other place and they say the opposite and they have um then all this comes together and it's a huge paradox <laughs> and you have to make yeah. sense of all this because as i said like there's input coming from different sides and sometimes can be very contradictory and this is the, the real challenge so uh i think um it's fragmentation basically it's as i mentioned is a source of wealth but it can also be a, a source of let's say discontent because uh then you know you, you can't belong to one single culture, one single place. You can't be one single person either. It's just impossible after you've had all these experiences. And uh, you have to compromise. It's the, um, there's always a, this idea of cost versus benefit. And it's, um, it's a life choice that you made. And uh, you also have to... Um, to bear the consequences, I mean, of this choice. Yeah, I, um, 
I think one thing um, I'm thinking about is, you know, I guess the there is a, a huge value in the fact that we have different desires and, and tendencies. And I think, you know, the world might be chaos if everybody was a serial migrant, if everybody just moved around. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right? If 100% of people uprooted their lives every yeah. three years. But, but at the same time, I think there's a value in having a few people who kind of come in <laughs> to societies, communities, workplaces, and sort of shake things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if they're given the space to do that, they're not just told to conform, but they are allowed to kind of bring in a little bit of their cultures uh, or culture that they came from um, and, you know, embrace the fact that there, I think there is a huge value in having people who do that and um, that it can be a really enriching um, experience personally well, and I, professionally. I, I absolutely agree. And as I said, um, the sad part is that I don't think local systems allow global citizens uh, to offer what they have to offer. As, as I said, you know, you go to places mm -hmm. in China for so many years and I was part of, you know, uh, my local community. I would pay taxes, I would just work there, and yet I didn't have any voting rights or, you know, yeah. I was not treated as um, a Chinese national, that's for sure, uh, which can also be, uh, which also has its benefits, I should say. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you that even local communities would be more prosperous um, and uh, they could take advantage of what, let's say, more global minds have to offer to them. And if they were a bit more open-minded, uh, it would be better off for everyone. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I completely see what you're saying about um, governments mm -hmm. really, actually really making it difficult for, for global citizens. but. But I do believe there is a trend in certain workplaces, mm -hmm. but then it's up to the individual employer what they choose to do and how they choose to um, try to attract and accommodate and embrace um, global citizens. Well, this tends to be easier with multinational companies because it's part of the culture. Yeah. And I'm not saying uh, it's not possible elsewhere, but I'm just talking about very, how to say, like legal right things. For example, I think in the UK, you can't, uh, if you're a British citizen and, and you want to have to hold another um, nationality, you have to pay taxes to the UK as well. I mean, these are things that uh, discourage people um, from having two, three, four nationalities and uh, having the life that they want to have. Uh, so this can be very, uh, this is a restriction, basically. Um, but uh, I would like to fight for this. It's, it's a huge cause for me. And uh, I would like to, you know, 
to work on it. I'm not saying that uh, some some people might think it's very utopian, but uh, I don't think so, because as I said, the numbers of people who lead such lifestyles for very long periods of time is is increasing exponentially around the globe. So I'm I'm very optimistic about this. This conversation is just so interesting, yeah. but I have to start wrapping up. Okay, okay. Because we've talked a little bit about the challenges and uh, some things that are quite difficult, but let's try and leave on um, kind of a positive note and think about, um, uh, well, I want to ask you, I think, two final questions. One is about um, whether you're a, a serial migrant or not. Um, when you know we think about kind of this fragmentation of identity and also how language can be linked with that mm -hmm. you know what might be some helpful ways of of thinking about our identities and our sort of these possibilities and options that you've talked about previously mm -hmm. in terms of language learning mm -hmm. hmm. uh, okay so uh i think that languages teach us new ways of thinking and new ways of thinking dictate new ways of acting mm -hmm. uh, so i believe that a new foreign language represents an alternative world so um people choose to learn a foreign language for different reasons and i believe that their motivations can can vary depending on their like value system aspirations their goals um so um i think you should let the language even if you choose to only learn one foreign language just let it affect your um your identity uh without um fear and without actually um building any defense i believe that for someone who just they're about to learn their first foreign language it's it's a very it's a very new experience um so i think it's it's very important to be ready uh to be conquered by this new <laughs> culture and language which means you should lower your defense system um and um I love that. I think it's also when it comes to language learning to to take into account um, your um, your personality traits, as we had discussed the other time. So, um, as I said, there are different methods of learning a language, but they should be adapted to to who you are and who your student is. So, for instance, when I was um, a child it used to be more of an introvert so i really enjoyed uh reading and writing um including in my own in, in greek in my own language so um that's something that should be taken into account when you plan your learning um strategy uh for some people it's the other way around you know if you're an extrovert i guess you want like interaction and socializing play a very important role. So perhaps uh, a lesson should be uh, structured around this 
need that you have and about this natural inclination that you have. Um, and I think it's very important that anyone enjoys language learning. It's not just a chore. It's not just something that you have to go through. Um, it's, it's, it can be, language learning can be an amazing um, hobby and very beneficial um, when it comes to, to memory, um, improvement, and a set of other things as well. So I think one should definitely enjoy this. Um, and as I had mentioned as well, is, is this element of, of pleasure. That's why I believe that it's, it is essential that, um, you know, the way one learns language um, is adapted to their personality. This can make or break the whole um, process, I believe. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I know for sure that from my own experience that that does not just apply to language learning. I think in uh, life, <laughs> in work, in social uh, interactions, mm -hmm. thinking about, um, yeah, your personality and what's going to work for you specifically as opposed to and actually I just wanted to draw on what what you said earlier about you know the idea that traveling and having exposure to different cultures and languages gives you the um the knowledge and maybe the confidence to know that there isn't just one way of doing it mm -hmm. there isn't just this one here are the rules for how you learn a language mm -hmm. here are the rules for how you um follow your career path there are so many different ways mm -hmm. and having exposure to different cultures and seeing what they, what they do differently mm -hmm. and how differently they can be as well. Exactly. So I want to leave you on one question that I, I ask um, all of my guests or try to ask all of my guests, um, which is if there's one thing you have learned through your life or through your career, um, through anything really, that you wish was common knowledge, that you wish everybody knew about, what would it be? Well, I would say that everyone complains about their own situation, about their own language, about their own country, about their own political system, um, about their own reality. And they think that elsewhere things uh, must somehow be better, you know, the grass is greener. They think that, um, you know, if you go to some other place, you will um, find bliss or something close to that. That's not true. Um, and you don't, you don't become a serial migrant because the grass is greener somewhere else. Mm. Uh, it's actually, it's a very painful process. And I believe that uh, everyone should know that um, choosing this path, it's, um, it's, um, it involves a lot of uh, challenges. And uh, I believe that uh, even, let's say someone doesn't, there, there are people who can't afford to travel, there are people who can't um, afford perhaps to have this lifestyle uh, also due to f commitments and family obligations, etc. 
Um, so I, it's important to stress that um, you don't go to discover a new culture, learn a new language and move to a new country as I did many, many times because the grass is greener there. You go because you're going to discover different types of uh, challenges. You will discover different reality with its own challenges and its own darkness, let's say. Um, and what they have at home, like if what, what, what they experience uh, in their home country, um, at the end of the day is not very different from what they would experience in another country slash culture. Uh, but the interesting thing is the transition. When you're transiting from one place to another, it's this process of um, changing your mind, changing your ideas, becoming wiser and wealthier in terms of um, identity that is the most important thing. Uh, so this is something I would like people to know because everyone thinks, oh, some other place things are different and they're much better than here. I haven't met a single person who was absolutely happy with their own country and their own life situation. That's very well said. So um, finally, for our listeners, um, where might people find you and um, learn more about you? Okay. Um, so I'm a published business author, among other things. Um, and you can find uh, more information on www.danaikraku.com, which is my website. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Danai. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our discussion. All right, people. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation about uh, living in different countries, fragmentation, and these stages of transitioning into another culture. So you have culture shock first, and then filtering where you kind of um, choose what you want to keep or what you want to almost like integrate with yourself and what you want to maybe keep at a distance. And then finally, integration, um, where you you feel com comfortable and confident um, with being in this culture, this other culture. And, you know, you've kind of integrated it with yourself a little bit. So... My final question to you is to kind of continue this debate about the pros and cons, like benefits and drawbacks of living in different countries. And obviously both Denai and I have lived in, you know, more than, um, at least more than one country each. I've lived in kind of 2.1 country. Um, so I know that both of us are kind of biased towards saying like, move abroad, it's great, just do it. But, of course, there are some real sacrifices and definitely some challenges about moving country, um, especially if the culture and language are really different from what you're used to. So let's see if I can get, you know, a few personal perspectives from you through social media. 
um, you can always email me, but I think social media can be a bit more interactive and um, engaging sometimes. So we are at Abundate underscore pod on Twitter. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram as Hedvig Sandvu. I'm extremely easy to find as long as you like spell my name right. So, you know, tag me or tag us with your perspective, like sharing, um, you know, if you have moved abroad, do you recognize those stages of transition, like culture shock, filtering, integration? And, you know, what are the uh, benefits that you see? And if you haven't moved abroad, what do you, you know, how do you imagine it will be, it would be for you if you did? So yeah, I'd love to get a few different perspectives and um, hope to see you online. You've been listening to the Abundate podcast with me, Hedvig Sandu, a language coach and founder of Abundate, where I offer language coaching services and a new group program for ambitious people who want to improve their language skills without studying for hours every day. Podcast graphics were designed by Sangflow Designs and the theme music was created by Poddington Bear. The rest was done by me, Hedvig Sandu. Thank you for listening and until next time. Hey, before you go, here's a quick reminder for you who uses English as a foreign language at work. Go check out the School of Certainty, specifically designed for the international professional to help build brain-friendly communication skills so you can stop overthinking. Did I say that right? What's the right word here? Should I put an S on the end there? Visit abundate.org soc for more information.